What is up, everyone? I'm Mario Fraioli, and I'm excited to bring you the sixth installment of Common Ground, a monthly podcast co-hosted by me and Danae Doremi of The Grounded Podcast. In this episode, which we recorded last Thursday, we shared our respective personal updates before geeking out on all things World Athletics Championships, which just wrapped up over the weekend. Before we dive in, a big thank you to New Balance for helping make this episode possible. I am super excited for the upcoming launch of their new shoe, the Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer, which will be available in August. I've been putting some miles on this shoe for the past month or so, and wow, 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 it is so fun to run in. This shoe is something else. It's got 47 plush millimeters of foam underfoot and a super comfortable rocker profile that encourages efficient forward motion. It's also got a carbon plate in there that helps smooth the transition from foot strike to toe off. I'd call it bouncy. That's the first word that comes to mind for me. The upper is lightweight and super adaptable for different foot types. I have been using this shoe mostly for recovery runs, but it works well for long runs and tempo runs too. The ride is so fun and forgiving that it's solidified a spot in my rotation for a long time to come. The Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer will be available soon on newbalance.com or at your favorite run specialty retail store. This episode is also brought to you by Gooder, my favorite sunglasses for running, driving, walking the dog, and pretty much everything else that I do outside. Not only do they look good, they don't bounce, they won't slip, and they're polarized to protect your eyes. Best of all, they are super fun. By now, you know that I'm a big fan of the OGs, and my favorite colors still are a ginger soul and Mick and Keith's Midnight Ramble. Gooders are also super affordable, with most pairs coming in at just $25 to $35 five bucks a piece. So if you'd like to support me in the podcast, treat yourself to a pair or two or 10 of Gooders and head over to gooder.com slash Mario and use the code Mario 15 to get 15% off your entire order. That's G-O-O-D-R.com slash Mario and use the code M-A-R-I-O-1-5 to get 15% off your entire order. Your face will thank you. Okay, that's it for the introduction. Please enjoy episode six of Common Ground with me and Danae Doremi. So you just got in from a run at the gym. I did. I am like still sweating because even though I've had like a solid 30 minutes to cool down and stretch and stuff, I just came from the gym and we're having a crazy heat wave here in Albuquerque right now. It's been pretty rough on me. I am not a morning runner, as many people know, (laughs) especially as my coach Nell knows. I run at crazy times (laughs) and I am often running at night or uh, sometimes I'll bring my partner Reed with me and he'll he'll go out for a run with me in the evening. But I also have to utilize the treadmill is basically what that means on my end because I have not been great at catching the, you know, 70s and 80s, you know, in the mornings in Albuquerque. So a lot of my runs lately have been on the treadmill, which is not my favorite place to run. But I've actually I feel like I've been crushing it a little bit on the treadmill. Like I've felt like I haven't had an opportunity to run very fast just because it has been so hot even before this heat wave. So it's been Just to give you context, like it hit 103 the other day here and it's been over 100 for 
I want to say like five days in a row. It's been pretty intense. Uh, so even when you're running at night, like let's say you wait till the sun goes down at 839. Oh, it's still solidly like 95 degrees right. outside. So it's been pretty uh, even muggy in a sense, which is which is a little unusual for Albuquerque because in between the heat, we've had like small bouts of rain. So very strange weather here. I am not used to it. It was like 30% humidity the other day. And I was like, no, thank you, <laughs> which is not extreme for people who are from other parts of the country. But for Albuquerque on top of 95 degrees, it just feels different um, for some reason. Yeah, the humidity definitely hits differently in drier climates or typically drier climates. I noticed that here too in the Bay Area. It's not nearly as bad as what I grew up with on the East Coast, but when it right. hits, you really feel it because you're just not used to it. And yeah. I imagine it's it's the same for you as you just described it in Albuquerque. And I hear the same from people who are you know in Colorado or Arizona. Yeah, like I'd like to think I'm pretty resistant to the heat at this point, having grown up here, but it's been a really rough week. So I've been having to, there was one night I even had to like skip my run, which is really, I would say rare, but I had to wait until it, you know, got cooled down a little bit. And then a major lightning warning came on in my area. The gym was closed. It was like a lightning storm outside, but there was no rain. So I've been in a weird place weather-wise that has been uh, kind of a kind of a pain for me, actually, just to try to work around that. I'm desperately trying to shift to morning running. I need to make the shift on like a rest day into a new day where mm -hmm. I'm I can switch over to the morning time. I just it's just rough for me. I'm not naturally like I don't bounce out of bed and go for runs. So no, you're a night owl. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm like the type of person who's up until like two in the morning. So I like to go for runs um, at different times of day. But yeah. So I just came back from a run. I did some intervals on the treadmill. Not the most fun workout to do on a treadmill because you're having to shift the uh, intensity levels and the speed levels, you know, throughout the workout. And that's it's so much easier to obviously do that manually outside by yourself, um, you know, just you and your watch uh, taking splits. But the treadmill is a whole different beast with that. But I just did a kind of an hour long really walk run. So pretty hard effort today. And I'm yeah, I'm still tired, but I'm here, which is in the spirit of <laughs> of World Athletics Championships <laughs> week. <laughs> I love it. How is your running progressing since we last talked about it a month or so yeah. ago? Are you running longer, faster, both? I mean, you said you're kind of feeling like a badass right now, and I want to hear more about that. <laughs> I don't know if I would say a badass, but the treadmill definitely makes me feel like I can go a little faster. Um, I think because I don't run on it very often, I'm always running on like packed dirt trails, mostly in mm -hmm. Albuquerque to reduce the impact on my joints. And so when I get on the treadmill, I'm like, wow, my pace is like a solid 30 seconds faster on the treadmill. Uh, but today, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy workout, like in terms of, um, pace, like Nell did not assign it as an easy run. So I went a little bit harder, which for me is like, 10 or 11 minute pace is like really like faster for me right now because I, I started when I started working with her I really was just running a couple minutes on you know a minute off at basically just here and there for, and for weeks it felt like um, we did that for like a month or a month and a half and I feel like my workouts have gotten a lot longer so that's probably mm -hmm. the biggest thing here is now they're almost always an hour I have to always carve out at least an hour 
And my favorite ones that we've been doing are actually the workout I did today uh, are sort of these descending intervals where I'll run for like eight minutes, walk for two, run for six minutes, walk for 90 seconds, you know, run for four minutes, walk for a minute or whatever it is. Um, I'll just kind of keep going downwards. And then I usually end the workout on five 60 second run, 60 second walk intervals that are a little bit faster. So that's what I did today. So it was really fun. I walk uh, usually 10 or 15 minutes before I start running and then 10 or 15 minutes to cool down at the end. So those are on either end of the workout. Uh, but mostly in the bulk of it, I'm running. So that's really nice because I think in all the walk running today, I got to almost like four miles. So for me, that was like, I've made significant jumps since I think when we started talking about uh, working with a coach a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, you've made huge progress. I mean, the mini 10K that you did, as we talked about last time, was a huge jump from yeah. where you were. But I mean, your your base was like two, maybe three miles yeah, at, maybe, a, at a stretch. <laughs> and now you're getting in an hour of work regularly. And hey, effort is effort. I don't care if you're running 10, 11 minutes a mile, and that's you putting the effort in, or if you're running five or six minutes a mile. I mean, the feeling is the same. The mind shift is the same. Um, and I think right. anyone who's listening to this, regardless of your speed, can totally resonate with that. Yeah. And Nell's really big too about looking more so like if my splits don't calibrate properly on the treadmill, we mm -hmm. look more so at like the rate of exertion. And so yep. like we're, we're paying attention to, to my effort, like, and, and what that is in each, um, in each workout. So I feel good. My, my workouts are increasing, I would say in distance every week, kind of slowly, but surely we're, <laughs> we're getting up there, uh, which of course increases it in length too. So I'm excited. It's definitely, uh, taking over my life a little bit more now I think when I first started with her and even before working with Nell I'm somebody who just ran three miles every single time I went out for a workout like I didn't have a lot of variation because I'm kind of just I'm like oh I was going out to do it as a mental exercise and just as like a habit not so much to train intensively unless I was in a training cycle so it was in it was it's been interesting to now be like wow I have to carve out an hour, almost two hours of my day because I have to factor in stretching. Mm -hmm. You know, if I have to drive to the gym, like taking a shower, like getting myself ready for whatever's next in my day. So it's a significant chunk of my life. I've definitely had to cut back on like alcohol. Um, I would say like just like I like to go like have beers on the weekends with friends or whatever. And so um, I feel like my life is is like in a changing point and transition point right now. But it's been really good. Actually, it's been really fun. <laughs> I think that's maturity, Danae. Okay, well, <laughs> I can still have a beer, all right? <laughs> no, you totally, you totally can. But I think going from that normal of being, you know, weekends of just drinking beers like, or, or going today. out and pushing the activity to the side where you're like, no, you know, I can do those things, but the run's going to come first. And because I know I have one the next day, then I will probably moderate myself a little bit more yeah. when I go out. And I think those are like tangential benefits of just being in a routine and having that kind of structure. I mean, you say taking over your life. And I think someone can hear that and be like, oh, that sounds awful. Yeah. It's probably more like giving structure to True. your life and forcing discipline, not to put words in your that's mouth. Some, that's definitely some like very fatherly wisdom. <laughs> I appreciate that. I think for me, I'm like 29. I'm like about to turn 30. So I'm at this very interesting juncture in my life where I'm trying to figure out what my daily routine looks like. And this has been 
just a yeah, it's been a really fun journey. I feel a little more put together, I have to say, which is nice because I'm a, I'm a kind of turning my attention back more so towards like the podcasting and running and everything now that I know we'll talk a little bit more about our updates, but mm-hmm. I just finished the College Horizons program that I work for that I do annually. So that was another big milestone. And, and these workouts I was doing with Nell kind of got me through that program as well because they provided structure to my day, something to get to at the end of the day. So yeah, I've had I've done a lot of adulting this month. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> hey, that's great. I mean, in in terms of running, I mean that's that's what it's all about. We all have our our goals and maybe some competitive desires and things that we're working toward, but when it is enhancing every other aspect of your life, then it's doing its job. Um, more Agreed. so than you know, getting you closer to your race goals or, or whatever it is. I love hearing that. I mean, that makes me happier to hear than if you had just raced and you're like, hey, I set a 5K PR. I'd be like, great, that's amazing. But it's even more amazing that, you know, this pursuit that you're on right now and the structure that you have is just making work a little bit better, is helping you to focus more on doing podcasting stuff and just generally feeling better overall throughout the week. Yeah. And also as like a reminder to myself, I always have to say that I started this journey with Nell sort of to get myself to the marathon start line. But what's cool is when I first talked to Nell, we really talked about my long-term goals. She was like, where do you want to be in like three years? You know? And I think I hadn't thought about that because I Mm -hmm. was just thinking, man, I've got to get through this marathon as best I can without injuring myself. But it was kind of exciting to hear her say that because I think now in the back of my head, I actually feel like, hey, I, I have a pretty good shot of running like pretty fast and like good times for me and feeling strong in, I think, 2023 more than anything else. And so I kind of feel like I have my eye on a like longer term prize, which is really nice. So I think that's what we're working towards. The coach in me loves hearing that because I take a similar <laughs> approach with my own athletes. It's helping you to to see beyond just the next, you know, twelve weeks or twenty mm-hmm. weeks, whatever you know that that certain buildup is, you know, is going to be. Um, you know, that said, I am excited for your New York City marathon buildup and just for yeah. you to experience that. But all these things that you're doing now is just setting the foundation for whatever you're going to build on top of it next year, and you know, hopefully two, three, and more years beyond that. Yeah, for sure. But what about you? What have you been up to? What does your life look like right now? (laughs) Well, uh, as I was explaining to you before we hit record on this podcast, we're in the midst of a pretty major house project replacing our downstairs flooring. So I've spent uh, the majority of the day to this point on my hands and knees working on baseboard. (laughs) So just like putting caulking in there, Fun. like taking some wood putty <laughs> in the gaps and then letting it dry and then sanding it down. And after we get off of this, I will put the first coat of paint on, wait for that to dry and then finish it up tomorrow morning. So uh, that's been consuming my day today. Last night, actually, I was at the first installment of the Tracksmith Twilight 5000s here in oh, San cool. Francisco. So they are doing these Twilight 5000s on the track in eight Mm -hmm. different cities across the US. And there are two events in each city, a July event, and then an August event. I think the idea is for people to come to the July event, put down a time, go to work for a few more weeks, and then come back a month later and see if they can run a little bit faster. But it was super cool. The stadium was closed to the public. Well, I guess the public could come in and watch if they wanted to, mm-hmm. but no one could use the the track um, to work out because there were just 5,000-meter races on the track from 6.30 p.m. until 10 p.m. And it was pretty cool. I mean, it was 
all speeds, everyone welcome. The first heat was a pretty big range in terms of time, but it was, I think, people trying to break 38 minutes all the way down to, I want to say, 28 or 25 wow, or something yeah, like that. Range. And then as the heats went on, the times got tighter and tighter. So mm -hmm. by the end, it was, you know, 18 to 18.59, and then it was 17 to 17.59, 16 to 16.59, then there was a sub 15 minute race at the end of the night. And they were all paced. So I was a pacer for oh, two wow. different heats. I paced the sub 18 minute race and then the sub 17 minute race, which were back to back. Uh, so I essentially did like a track wow. 10K. But it was fun <laughs> to just help people to, in some cases, PR. A lot of folks were running their first ever 5,000 on the track. I mean, if you didn't run in college, you probably have never run a 5,000 on the track yeah, before. It's not a high school event <laughs> in most states, except Connecticut, I think, is the only state that does the 5,000 on the track. Fun fact. Uh, I don't know if they still do, but they used to. Anyway, um, but unless you ran collegiately, you probably haven't raced a 5,000 on the track. So there was just a wide range of ages, ability levels, everything. And it was so cool to just pace those two races and tell them, hey, here's what I'm going to do. First race that I paced, I'm like, I'm going to run 86 second laps. Hopefully bring you around 18 minute pace. If people fall off, I'll drop back and just try to keep you on the train and pull you along. And I think the winner of that race got to like 1747, which was pretty cool, uh, somewhere, somewhere in that ballpark. And then in the heat after mine, there were a lot of women actually who were trying to break 18 and no one broke 18. We sort of fell off around 3K, but the three gals just behind me all PR'd and ran like 18, 12 to 18, 15 and were super excited afterward. It was just cool to be a part of, they had a food truck there. Mm -hmm. um, they couldn't have music because there's a noise ordinance in that neighborhood, but there was an announcer and it was just a good scene. And, and it was like, classic San Francisco. The fog rolled in. It was kind of windy on the backstretch. I haven't seen too many photos yet, but I'm sure the photos looked pretty epic with the fog coming in and just mm -hmm. people racing around the track. So that was cool. Already looking forward to the next one in August. I'm not sure if I'm going to race that one or pace it, but I'll definitely be there in some capacity. That's awesome. I love that. I've seen some of those Tracksmith Twilight races uh, that they've been promoting on social media, mm -hmm. but I didn't know there were some in your area. So... Yeah, San Francisco. I know they are doing LA next week. Chicago just happened. Philly, Boston, New York. And there's one other one in there that I'm not thinking of right now, but pretty cool. Hopefully they'll expand it next year. The other cool thing is it's happening during the world championships. So I was going to say, it's the best time to run. It's like during yeah. the Olympics, during worlds, or like USA's. Whenever you have good track to watch, it's the best time to go run yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah. So I had just watched track the day before and was jazzed on it. And just to be able to be out there and, mm -hmm. and in that environment, and I could tell that other people were feeling the same way. It was pretty cool. So I don't know if they intentionally timed it that way so that it was happening around the world championships but it, it, it kind of in a weird way felt like you were a, a part of it or you're watching this track on tv you're like that's really cool i wonder what that's like and you know lo and behold here's an opportunity to to get out there on the track and race so uh that was super cool that's awesome yeah i mean it's an exciting week i feel like i am very jealous because my dad is at World right now as we speak. He is in Eugene and sending me so many photos. I He didn't invite you along? I No, I'm so mad at him. <laughs> but also I kind of couldn't go because it was uh, right coming up right on my College Horizons uh, mm -hmm. program. And I just knew 
It was not going to be possible to go back to back. I have so many trips scheduled this fall and I'm headed to Wazelle's bird camp next month. I'll be moderating a panel there with, uh, with some of their uh, athletes, Kara Goucher, Lauren Fleshman, uh, and more. So I'm really excited about that. So I have a lot of things coming up and I just, I was like, there's no way I can get out to Eugene right a day out, you know, a few days after this program that I ran and due to, uh, sort of unusual circumstances. We were a little short-staffed for our College Horizons program this year. And basically, you know, it was largely my responsibility to wrangle together, you know, two to 300 people uh, in a college admissions workshop. So I've, my mind has been in other places and watching it on Fair TV enough. has been good. <laughs> but I am very jealous of my dad. He's sending me selfies with like Kara Goucher and Emma Bates and Adam Goucher. And he's like saying hey to everyone and all these uh, people that he knows and is reuniting with. He's actually there with his old college teammates. So I was not going to oh, crash their awesome. party. They have an Airbnb. They are reuniting uh, together. I think I think some of them got together for the University of Colorado track and field and cross country reunion that they had last fall. But I think this group that they brought together they're really reuniting for the first time in like 40 years. It's really their old teammates. Oh, so, so they're cool. having a blast. He's He's been there since, uh, you know, yesterday. He was at yesterday's session and he'll be there through the end. So I'm really excited for him. He's been sending me a ton of photos. I love the women's steeple. I know we'll go into it. So he's like sending me pictures from this, from right on the side, uh, you know, of the track for that last night. So it's been really fun to live vicariously through him uh, and his pictures. <laughs> So we're having this conversation Thursday afternoon. Mm -hmm. I'm going to publish this on Monday afternoon. You will put it out a little bit later in the week. But to this point, as of this conversation, what have been the highlights of the World Athletic Championships for you so far? Well, there's been so much. I've, I've watched it pretty much every night. I think there was only one night that I recorded and and when and I ended up rewatching but for me I've got to say actually we've been we we're we're very much big throws guys in our house we love watching the throws it's actually something that uh I know we talk about running so much on this show but my partner Reed part of engaging him in track and field is finding some stuff that he enjoys watching in it and he loves watching the throws which is cool because I do too and I think um it's an it's an event that I wish I had tried in high school I think I have a lot of strength and so uh I kind of it's like a little bit lost for me but I'm like very inspired by the throwers and so I've got to shout out Janae Kassanavoid and she is a Comanche athlete she's the first native woman to ever medal at the World Athletics Championships in history. She took home the bronze in the women's hammer throw, and I am over the moon for her. I'm so excited. I've actually already been in touch with her. She's gonna be on my show uh, pretty soon here. So just a really huge win for uh, Indian country, I think in general, and to see a native athlete, really a, a world-class athlete representing uh, you know, her tribal community is just awesome. And I'm, she's a Kansas State Wildcat formerly. And so I think she still trains with her, with her coach from there, but I'm really excited for her. She had the, she had the third best throw in the world this year. I think she threw 78 meters. She did not throw that far out the champ world championships, but she did take home the bronze and yeah, she threw far enough. Amazing. So I, I loved watching that event. So I know it's not a running event, but I actually went and watched the hammer stream, uh, on my own because I was so excited that she was a competing native woman athlete. That's amazing. And you already answered 
what was going to be my my next question, uh, which was, are you going to have her on the podcast? But it sounds like that's upcoming. I can't wait to hear that. I haven't paid as close attention to these championships as a whole. Um, in general, just as we've had so much going on from like this house project and we had some travel before and a whole bunch of, of other stuff. I've actually only caught two races live and it was the men's 100 meter mm. final and the men's 1500 meter final the other night. But before I, I get on to what's excited me, um, the throws are amazing to watch and field events in general, I think don't really get their due. But the throws in particular, shot put, hammer, disc, and javelin, mm -hmm. it's not just taking the thing and hucking it. There's like so much technique and skill and athleticism involved. And you see a lot of these folks, and I think there's a common misconception that you just have to be big and strong and able to throw this thing. But these are athletes, and yep. they are some of the best athletes in the entire world, certainly at this meet and their technical skill is just impeccable um their speed and power is is of course like crazy impressive um and they don't they don't get their due so i love that that was your highlight for it was yeah so far. and i'm a big fan too to add to that of val allman who threw for stanford and she she was also out there in the discus and she she didn't have her best performance i would say um but she still did well and it was amazing to watch she's actually a dancer so it's interesting if you wanted to go back and watch the replays and really get a sense of what some of those like body movements look like and how coordinated mm -hmm. a lot of the throwers really are i just have such an appreciation for like the mechanics that go into that and i think that's kind of why my dad was always like we really should have had you throw like the javelin or something like that because there's a lot of um different like eye hand coordination and i think coming into cross country from basketball it's always something i wanted to try so i'm such a fangirl of the throwers but um really really happy to see them get some love on the on the national like coverage feeds here in the u.s and i'm excited for janae <laughs> well I'm going to shout out Ryan Krauser. I linked mm -hmm. to a profile on him in my newsletter two weeks ago. I've been following his career for a while now. He's just, I mean, he's just he's amazing. He's yeah. Fun. yeah, he's fun to watch. Um, led a U.S. sweep in yeah. the men's shot, which which was amazing, um, like total U.S. domination of that event. I mean, not to be a complete homer here, but the U.S. men and women are just doing phenomenal at this meet. I mean, racking up medals, you know, sort of across the board. It is a home meet for the U.S., so I know a lot of the athletes are just extra excited being able to, you know, to do this here um, in the United States for the first time. First time the U.S. has ever held the World Athletics Championships, and um, maybe others outside the country don't feel the same way, but it's been kind of fun to, to see the Americans racking up medals across the board. Yeah, I've had a blast. Also, I, I was pretty much glued to my TV last night waiting for the women's steeple. I know I mentioned it just a minute ago. I am a I'm a longtime fan of Emma Coburn. And so mm -hmm. of course she did not have a great night last night, but I I will always be her fan. I feel like she was kind of the queen of the steeple during the years that I was, you know, spectating track and growing up and watching the sport. And I watched her compete way back way back in the day at the Great Southwest uh, track meet here in Albuquerque, which is a super popular prep meet, and uh, just been watching her run for a long time, so I was kind of waiting for that race. But what I got was an amazing performance from the top three women there, just gutting it out until the end. Uh, I think it was 
Kazakhstan's Nora Jaruto won the race. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and watch that finish, it's it was like one of the most exciting steeplechase races I've ever watched in my life. Um, they were really sprinting till the end. I mean, they were they were all really unstable, I would say, except for Nora Jaruto at the uh, at the final hurdle. And so it was just an incredibly exciting race and way to end the session last night. So my dad was sending me videos from that because he was right on the bottom row uh, getting to spectate that race. And it was it was an exciting one. Yeah, I mean they were flying. She ran yep. eight fifty three flat, or like I think she point, set a national record for herself. One or two, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. to win. And behind her um, was Warkuha from Ethiopia. She was eight fifty four six one, super close. And then not far behind her countrywoman, Abebe Makides, mm-hmm. uh, eight fifty six. So I mean, sub nine to get on the medal stand. Uh, yeah, that is, that they is were some super flying fast running, even in the first few laps. And I feel like the U.S. runners really just didn't have a response. I think, I think Courtney Frerichs might've been the first U S runner to come in for us. Yeah. Um, it was Frerichs, Emma, and then Courtney Wayman was, I think 11th or 12th. So, but yeah, those are probably my two biggest highlights. I'm, I have a lot I'm looking ahead to. I'm very excited about the women's 200. I love watching the 200. I think there's a lot of fun stuff there, but I am very curious to hear your thoughts on the men's 1500. I know you mentioned that that was one of the ones you saw. So I've been waiting to talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah, I will get to that because that is or has been my favorite race so far. But to go somewhat chronologically, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Allison Felix's final yes. race as a professional athlete. She ran the mixed four by 400. She mm-hmm. got a medal in that. It was her. 30th global medal. And I think it's 19 world championship medals and 11 Olympic medals. I can't remember exactly the, the breakdown, but, um, I don't think anyone's ever matched that. I'm pretty sure that's like the highest ever medal total for an athletics, um, competitor in, in history. But that was, that was the, the, I was going to say swan song, uh, I guess, of her amazing career. She had a great leg, um, helped the U.S. get to the medal stand. And it's it's going to be weird not watching her compete I agree. <laughs> because she's been competing for so long. I mean, she was a phenom in high school. And, I mean, she's just been at the top of the world ever since. Um, and she's, you know, she she had a child just a few years ago and came back from that and ran as well or better than she ever has. Um, so shout out to Allison Felix, incredible career. Uh, and she went out in style with another medal fittingly at the world athletic championships here in the U S but yeah, men's 1500. That was some race. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jakob Ingebrigtsen was the heavy favorite reigning Olympic gold medalist. He's had an incredible year so far. Mm-hmm. He won the Bowerman Mile at Prefontaine. He won the Gold Mile at Oslo. He's run 346 for the mile this year. Has just looked really, really good. No one has been able to challenge him. Um, he's an interesting dude in in interviews. He's he's just pretty blunt. Uh, and I think earlier this year he was just saying, "Well, it's you know, no disrespect to anybody, but it's not my fault that you know." people aren't better and can't hang with me. But that wasn't the case here in the 1500 final. I was um, surprised to see him go to the front with 800 to go. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty early. They were running a very honest pace. Um, Winning time ended up being 329, which is very, very fast. Yeah. But 
I noticed early on, even before he took the lead, on the turns, like tactically, he wasn't running as he usually does. Typically, he'll tuck in on the inside and then move on the straightaway. And he was running out in like lane two on a lot of the turns. And that's just adding extra distance. He's right, expending yeah. energy that he doesn't need to. So that was the first thing that I noticed. And then he went to the front with 800 meters to go. And I thought that was too early because he can kick and he can kick from usually it's four or 500 meters out. And I was like, well, eight's a, eight's a long way to go, especially off of a, an honest clip. And I mean, everyone in the race knows that he's the reigning Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. He's been <laughs> having a fire year. So if he, if he goes to the front, no one's going to go by him if they have a chance to until as late as possible. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly what happened. So, I mean, the, the field just kind of sat there with him and with, you know, with a lap to go, there was, you know, there was some movement. And I mean, I was surprised to see Whiteman in there, quite frankly. I mean, he's had a good year himself. He's run 329 for 1500 meters. He's no slouch. As far as um, UK runners go, everyone talks about Josh Kerr and rightfully so. I mean, he's an Olympic yeah, medalist from Tokyo last year. He talked a big game going into mm -hmm. this race and no disrespect to Josh Kerr. He was a non-factor. Um, he was kind of, yeah, I was looking out for him. Of he trains in Albuquerque. The, so <laughs> yeah, front of the second pack, like tail end of that lead pack. But Jake Whiteman was in there the whole time and he was just mm -hmm. on the rail as long as he could be. He stayed out of trouble. He was not expending energy. And I mean, it was just like surreal to see him surreal come up is the right word. <laughs> on Ingerbritsen with it was like a little over 200 meters yeah, to go, maybe 210, 220 meters to go. And you could tell he had this just like momentary second of I, 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 I hesitate to call it hesitation. But you could see in his body language, he's like, should I go by right now? And then he decided, yes, I should. And he went by and put himself in front and just ran down the final straight like a, a man possessed. He's like, if anyone passes me, so be it. But I'm just going to charge ahead. And I mean, the last thing I noticed about Ingerbritsen, I don't I still don't think he would have had enough room to go by Whiteman at the end. But you can see that he looks around and and you could sort of see his body not go completely limp, but he just oh, like yeah. kind of he settled into second there at the end. I know. Yeah, he was he just like I'm not winning over his back, and yeah, yeah. He, he was like I'm not winning. I'm not winning this race. Um, and Whiteman threw his arms up and and broke the tape. And um, for me, that was probably the biggest upset yeah. of the championships so far. But also one of the coolest moments, and we didn't get to see this on the feed, but you can find instances of it online. His dad is the I stadium know. announcer. It made and, me so happy. <laughs> and I I loved just the you know cell phone video of his dad in the booth watching his son announcing the race. And you can just see the excitement in his body when he's like, I think he's going to win this. I think he's going to win this. And, and his dad and, trying to say it in a measured way on the like stadium intercom that was the funniest thing for me is he was like and here he comes and you can tell his body language emotion is just seeping out of him but yeah. he can't you know yell on the yeah. intercom so it was really nice I actually also yeah. like heard on the broadcast that um that Whiteman was saying he gains a lot of strength when he hears his dad's voice come over yeah. the, the speakers and I thought that was really sweet <laughs> yeah I mean 
it's got to be a competitive advantage. Um, yeah. Not that there's anything you can really do about it other than like not let his dad announce his races, but I don't think there's any rules against that. His dad's his coach also. So I'm just trying to think about mm -hmm. that as, you know, here's a father watching his son about to have the biggest moment of his athletic career, but it's also one of his athletes that he's coached and he knows what he's capable of and he knows who he's up against and he knows the tactics of a race like this. And it went about as well as it could go for um, for Whiteman and 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 to his dad's credit, Jeff, I think is his name, really held it together mm -hmm. pretty well in the booth because if he weren't in that booth, he would have been losing his mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt that he would have been losing his mind, but he, you know, he tempered that and they had a great moment afterward. But for me, that was the the highlight of the championship so far. Definitely. I, I had a blast watching that, but I also feel on top of all these cool wins and upsets and medals, we have to talk about the, about Devin Allen. I feel like it, we just, we can't pass it up. <laughs> I don't know if you had a chance to watch that race live or you got a chance to watch it back. I watched it back. I mean, I can sum it up in three words. He got screwed. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think there's much more to it than that. So for, for those who don't know, um, Devin Allen is 110 meter hurdler for the U.S. He is also a wide receiver for the Philadelphia yes. Eagles. And, we'll and he's be about to head to training camp, actually, right after camp, Worlds. <laughs> to camp soon. And um, I mean, he got DQ'd from his race, the 110 meter hurdle final, because I'm going to be careful how I frame this. He just had too quick of a reaction. I don't say mm -hmm. too quick as in like illegal, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. It detected him being one thousandth of a second a off second. of uh, of the of that, you know, legal, I, however you want to call it, reaction time. But it was definitely a, a tough moment to watch and a, I would say a big part of of the meet. <laughs> yeah. And if you watch it, I mean, the the whole point of that is they're catching people or trying to catch people who are anticipating the starter's commands in the gun and getting a jump. And he did not do that. He reacted to the gun. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, you're faulting the guy for having like too good of a reaction. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and in a race that's that short and that precise and that technical, I mean, and at that level of sport, these are the best in the world. They're trying to be as precise as possible, and and he was. I mean, if you watch the tape and you listen to the sound, you see when he moves. I mean, it, in, on some level, it's imperceptible to the eye, but there's no way that he anticipated the the gun. Um, he reacted to it, and it's it's a shame because he didn't have a chance to really appeal. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. he certainly like had some words with the officials very respectfully, uh, but they, they weren't letting him back in. I mean, not much the other guys on the line can do. The fans were obviously uh, super bummed. I mean, he's yeah. a, a crowd favorite in Eugene. And that, I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate. And I think it's a bit of a black eye just on the sport. I mean, yeah, I think it's just been a, a conversation point all season, but I feel like that was a culminating moment where I was going back and forth with my dad, where we were just almost in awe. Like this is this really, and this is a world athletic statement. It's meant to assist the officials, those mm -hmm. detectors. And so it just, it, it felt like 
it felt like that's not what happened. It felt like that was just the final decision and they went off of that. So just a, yeah. a real bummer to watch as a track fan, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And if anything comes of it, I hope that they look at this and reevaluate because it is a, a one and done type of thing. If you, if, if you get pinged for an infraction, you're out. I mean, there's, there's no chance to do it over. And I mean, I don't know if the solution is to, you know, have a one false start rule because people can use that to their advantage to kind of ice some of the other sprinters or, or whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think they, they have to look at that. It's just, it's just a shame that that's how his, you know, how his race ended and it, it definitely should not have. Yeah. But well, are there any other races you want to point out before? I'd love to hear also what you're excited about looking into the last few days of the weekend. So the first one that I watched live was the men's 100-meter final. And, mm-hmm. I mean, the 100's always always exciting. It's pure sprint right down the straightaway. And we're on American soil. U.S. has four guys in the final they ended up sweeping it. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred Curley, who great win was an f- amazing win. Uh, unfortunately, ended up I think tweaking his uh, yeah. hand or hip flexor or something in the mm-hmm. two hundred after the hundred meter final. So he's not gonna run the relay at the end of the meet, which is which is a bit of a bummer. Um, but he's you know still relatively new to the 100 meters he's a world class 400 meter runner just a few years ago during the pandemic decided that he wanted to work on his sprint speed last year when races came back he started jumping in hundreds and 200s and his times really started coming down and now he's the world champion he was the olympic silver medalist last summer um in tokyo Mm -hmm. but i mean he you know he was a bit of a favorite coming in here and it was just incredible to see him pull that off for me i've I've been a Trayvon Brumell fan for mm-hmm. quite a while now, and and he's not that old. He's only 27. He's the same age as Fred Curley. But Trayvon has been running the 100 for a while, and af- at, I should say, not even after, at the Rio Olympics in 2016, um, he suffered an Achilles tear. And he has followed a very bumpy road since then. Didn't even look like for a while if he'd be able to come back, especially in an event like the 100 meters, um, you know, where it is just so, so dynamic. And he ended up getting the bronze. So back on the, the global medal stand, um, and it was just cool to see, you know, him and his teammate Bracey afterward just like have this moment. And then he just like fell to the track. And mm-hmm. I mean, just just watching it. And this isn't a call out any other athlete or, or instance that's happened, but you could tell that it was genuine. It was just like genuine emotion. He, I think, had all of those moments sort of like just flash before him there where he was like, you know, on the track in Rio holding his leg and, you know, then not able to walk for a while and thinking about probably all the rehab and everything else that Just he's like had the work to put into it. Yeah. Yeah. That he's had to go through not knowing if he would ever get back to that level. And now he's, you know, he's one of the best in the world again. It was just cool to, to see him um, recognize that after. And then in the post-race interview, I mean, he was definitely choking up as he was, as he was talking about it. And I think there was a, a lot there, but he's just been one of my favorite athletes for a while. And it was cool to, to see that moment as it happened. That's awesome. Yeah. I would say the hundred, those were some big medals for the U S for sure. People were very happy for Fred Curley, I think. 
Yeah, and let's hope let's hope the relay can uh, not screw it up. Recover, uh, yeah, from that. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, we haven't had exactly the the best of luck with handoffs in uh, in recent years. I've seen but, a lot of memes um, about the handoffs on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not, leading I'm not up to on this. Twitter, but I'm not <laughs> but I'm not surprised. Um, for me, what's what's coming up that I'm I'm excited about? I've talked about this many a time before, but. What's still to come as of this conversation that I'm super excited about is the women's 800 meters. So mm-hmm. the heats are tonight. That's first round. Right. So we don't know who has advanced yet. Again, to to be a homer, but the American women have a very strong contingent of 800 meter runners. I personally think it's um, one of the most exciting races to watch along with the 1500. Uh, it's it's for me, it's a long sprint and, and a lot can happen uh, just in the final half lap or so. So women's 800, I will try and catch that one live tonight. And then there are two more rounds. There's semifinals and finals still to come in that event. So I'll be paying close attention to that. And then the relays, uh, four by one, four by four. I mean, for me, that's kind of what track is all about is, is the <laughs> relays. Um, I mean, it is the, the one sort of like team event within, you know, the, the overall event. Um, technically it's, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough event, especially like the four by one, like every, you know, everything's got to be super precise from handoffs yep. to, you know, being, being in your zone. There's very little margin for error at this level of the sport. So I'm excited to watch those this coming weekend. Awesome. I'm excited about the women's 200 final. I believe that is how they are closing out tonight. Actually, I think it's the men's and the women's 200 final, both of which have some really exciting uh, things happening in them. In terms of the men's final, I think everyone's waiting to see uh Noah Lyles and mm-hmm. what is his name? Knighton, Ariane Knighton. Knight? Yes. <laughs> I always forget his last name, but um, big rivalry there. I feel like we've been waiting to see them reunite since USA is three weeks ago now. So I'm excited about that, but I'm a big fan of Abby Steiner on the women's side for the, for the U.S. anyways. I'm also a big fan of Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. She's amazing. She already took the 100. So I'm, I'm thinking there's a pretty good race in front of us in the 200. Yeah, that should be a good race. I don't think Shelly Ann Fraser-Price is going to lose, however. I, I don't <laughs> either. I don't either. But I think Abby Steiner yeah. is our best chance at a medal. <laughs> oh, 100%. And Abby Steiner is super exciting. Just finished She's up at watch, University yeah. of Kentucky now runs for Puma. Hopefully we'll have a long career ahead of her, but I don't think the torch is ready to be passed just yet, uh, but should be a super exciting race. And then the women's 400 meter final still has to happen. And Mm -hmm. I can't wait to watch Sid McLaughlin. Uh, I think that she can run another world record quite frankly so um i'm excited to i'm excited to watch that but so far so yeah she's in the zone yeah she's had a very good meet but i mean delilah muhammad's in there as well she ran really really well um to get to to this point um so it should it should be good but sid's kind of on another level right now i mean she's i think the only woman in the field who's run sub 52 
this season. Uh, mm -hmm. Not that that's not that that's the thing people do very regularly, but it just shows that she's on <laughs> that's a, pretty, that she, that's a pretty insane time. <laughs> yeah, but just shows she's on a she's on another level. Um, I just love the energy that she brings to the track. So that's another one that I'm excited about. I mean, this is just like such a a long meet, and there's just so many um, rounds, and it's tough to keep track of on on some level. But um, there's you know something to to watch and get excited about pretty much every day yeah i'm excited because i feel like once you get towards the end you're watching mostly finals and this is the best part of the meet uh for me so i'll be living through my dad's text messages for the next <laughs> three days or so so i'm i'm excited to see how it turns out i feel like this is just a great way to end the season and it's very motivating for me personally so yeah that's what i'll be doing cool. in the evening <laughs> Anything else to add to world championships? No, I think that's all I've got. <laughs> how have you felt? I'll I'll end on on this. It's not talk about the the athletes. How have you felt about the coverage overall? This is a leading question, Mario. <laughs> no, I, not at well, all. I don't think I, so. I've actually I've actually really enjoyed it. You know, I love hearing Kara Goucher's uh, distance commentary personally. I think she brings a lot of energy and passion and emotion that I haven't heard a lot in a lot of distance commentary, uh, especially as a big fan of her. But overall, I think the coverage has been pretty good. I think it's a little it's a little chaotic switching between uh, networks here in the U.S. and trying to fi figure out where it is, uh, you know, on what channel between Peacock and USA and yeah. NBC. I think I think it can be a little bit overwhelming. But I also read somewhere, um, you know, again, like, don't quote me on this. This is not official, but that it's been a really high number of, of viewers. I think it was like it hit like 11 million viewers one night. So just I think the coverage has been decent and i think that we've really been engaging fans in a new and important way in track and field this past year yeah my frustrations are the same as yours it's too scattered yeah um <laughs> to keep track of it all and great there's a lot going on it's a lot of events i mean they're they're long days i mean anyone here who's ever run track or has kids who run track um yeah <laughs> you, you know that that you know, a typical track meet uh, drags on and on and on. And here, I mean, it's kind of that every day, just given, you know, the number of heats and events and everything that they're trying to get through. So I understand that it's near impossible to broadcast all of it. But to your point, there have been more hours of track and field yeah. in prime time than ever before. Yeah, and I can that feel is, that. <laughs> yeah, and that is huge. And that is going to just help with the sports overall exposure to the casual fan or just the sports fan who knows that track and field is a thing but might not have known the world championships were happening right now and could get them excited to follow some athletes heading into the Olympics less than two years from now and then here in the U.S. in 2028. Um, that said, I have watched a lot of replays on YouTube and NBC's done a good job of putting up yeah they have pretty much full um, full replays of most of the races even the distant races which is great but the few things that I've caught live I've actually watched on Canadian 
broadcast TV. And I'm able to do that because I have a VPN. So I just make oh, it look like I'm, I'm in Canada. But it's just streamlined. It's all one feed and it's going pretty much the entire time. I don't really care so much for, you know, the, the commentary. Not that that it's bad. I just want to watch track You're and field. There to see um, the race, yeah. But it's just so much more streamlined. And I just got tired of trying to figure out what was playing where and if we have subscriptions to this or that because we, we don't have it to to all of them. And I just wish from from that standpoint, there are a way that you could like buy one pass or if there were just one I main agree. feed that even if you paid for it, you could at least just watch everything in one place and just make it easier from that standpoint. So it was really, really frustrating to try and see like, oh, well, on the same day, like you've you got know, to I switch between watch. networks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was just like a, a huge pain. So that's my, my one thing there. Um, I haven't heard again, much of the, the U S commentary, but I love when former athletes are in the broadcast booth, because I do think it really adds a very important and beneficial layer of, of co commentary um, from athletes who have been there and they understand what's at stake. They understand what these athletes are feeling on the track and they can provide insights, you know, that the average sports commentator, the play-by-play -play commentator can't. So um, I think they've done a good job with Kara on there. I, Otto Bolden is still. Sonia Richards-Ross. I love yeah, her. Sonia Richards-Ross is amazing. So, I mean, they, yeah. they've got a good, they've got a good mix there. And I think that's important. Um, outside of the actual, broadcast of it. Um, I've been paying a lot of attention to running publications that are there and, you know, Runner's World's doing their recaps. But shout out to the folks at Sidious Mag. Sidious Mag! I've been listening to them really, every night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are really taking it to the next level. Absolutely. I mean, they've, they've got like emergency pods right after some of the, these races that pods. are happening. <laughs> Everything's on on YouTube. They had RG three on there. I mean, and they are really, I mean, not not just focusing on the the distance races. Which I mean, myself and a lot of people listening to this and you, like, yeah, we we love distance running, but track and field is so much more than that. And I'll be I'll be the first to admit, I don't know as much about a lot of the other events because I don't follow it quite as closely. But they've got people kind of on everything, and they're doing photo, they're doing video, they're doing podcasts, they're doing the, you know, the the live shows on on YouTube, which every day, it seems like more and more people are, are logging into that. And I have been to multi day championships. And I know how hard and exhausting it is to mm. cover these meets. I hope they take a week or two off afterward. Because I <laughs> I've think been they're wondering how it. they're doing it all. <laughs> Oh, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, you're you're just on all the time and you kind of have to be. Um that's the that's the nature of it. But I mean, they're not really showing too many signs of wear uh from what I can tell at least on the live broadcast, who knows what's happening behind the scenes. I know they're doing group runs and stuff like that too. Uh but I've really been impressed with the coverage there has not been an endemic running media outlet that has really done anything like this. I mean, they've been doing this, to be fair, over the past year, they've had their, you know, be on the final lap at various indoor meets, and they've been doing some live coverage type of stuff. This is hard to do day in and, and day out. But I think for a multi day championship like this to keep people interested and engaged, it's, it's what you have to do. Otherwise, it's easy to, um, to pay attention to other 
things and they've just done a good job keeping the energy high uh, and I've been really really impressed with their daily coverage and commentary so shout out to Chris Chavez, Kyle Merber, Dana Giordano, the entire team over there at, at Sidious Mag which is, is so big now I don't even know everyone who yeah. is on it um, and they've got people doing everything from photo to video um, and so on and so forth so I actually, that's where I found a broadcast schedule that just kind of has where it's going to be broadcasted every day and they broke it down. So I would say, yes, even on that front, they've been helpful. My dad and I split all the subscriptions. Like he has a few and I have a few so that we have all of the logins, but it it has been a chaotic week to keep up with it. I I have to say, I've watched several things on YouTube as well. So um, having Sidious Mag kind of distill all of that information in one place. uh, I've been, I don't catch their YouTubes as much, but I've been listening to their daily recap podcast where they go over mm-hmm. kind of the biggest wins of the day. Uh, super fun time to be a track fan because I I have so much respect for what they do. They're they're not only hilarious but also they give great recaps. And so if if you're a fan and you're feeling a little overwhelmed and maybe you can't catch everything, I highly recommend Sidious Mag. And sometimes Mario, I know you're not on Instagram, but they go live on Instagram and it, it's so funny. <laughs> after uh, after the men's 1500, they ran out of the stadium on live and they were running while the live was on <laughs> and they were screaming at their phones like this has been one of the greatest nights of track and field emergency podcasts happening now. <laughs> well, hey, I I know I'm I'm not on Instagram, but I know that- that's where a lot of people spend their time and you got to go to where the people are, um, especially during an event like this. And I think that's, you know, one, it's just smart strategically. Um, but it's also what you sort of have to do now um, in terms of like news and coverage and, and commentary. I mean, as much as I'm not crazy about it, it has to be almost instantaneous uh, yeah. in order to catch people's attention or be relevant because people want it right away. People aren't, aren't mm-hmm. willing to wait till even the next morning in a lot of cases to see or hear about what happened the, the day before. They want to hear they want to hear the takes right away. I mean, that's a, a total uh, page out of the Ringers playbook, which I think Chris Chavez would tell you that uh, is where he probably got it from, but it hasn't existed in track and field and distance running coverage until uh, they started doing it. And it's definitely going to, I think, just shift the, you know, shift the entire um, way that we, we cover and consume track and field and running content. Agreed. Well, on that note, I feel like that's pretty much our overview of what's happening on world. So I would love if we could spend the remainder of our time in (laughs) our tradition, talking about what we're listening to in the middle of world (laughs) while you're running or not running. I don't know if you listen to music while you're running. I think you said you didn't. No, I don't. Um, but I've been, as I said earlier, working downstairs on our, our new floors and baseboards. (laughs) So, um, I just have, I have music going. I have an Apple music playlist. I had on a Nirvana essentials earlier, um, which was, which was quite good. Just like, you know, early mid nineties grunge music, uh, which felt appropriate for just, you know, hammering away on, on baseboards. So that's, that's most immediate. Um, I'm literally wearing a Nirvana shirt right now. You are wearing a Nirvana shirt. How about that? Our (laughs) listeners can't see that, but you are wearing a Nirvana shirt. Um, it's funny, funny along those lines. I saw probably a, it couldn't have been more than like a 10 year old girl the other day had a Nirvana shirt on. I'm like, 
do you do you know who who they are? Um, can you name a song, or is that just like a cool shirt that you got at Target? Don't be that I've guy, Mario. Target. I know I'm not gonna be, but that's my, but that's my that's my thought. Um, just as a you know, as an old man who grew up with their music, uh, and knowing that you know she was probably what you know born 25 years later who knows anyway that's a whole that's a whole nother thing but that's what i was just listening to um as i was as i was working downstairs was a nirvana essentials playlist on apple music uh, i'm trying to think if there if there's anything else any other rabbit holes that i've gone down recently i've i've just been on probably a nirvana kick for like two weeks and i wrote that's about it in my newsletter really ironic that i wore this shirt today <laughs> yeah a couple a couple weeks ago but i i rewatched their um mtv unplugged from hmm. 1993 i think it was um their acoustic set in new york and i i went down the rabbit hole again from there i'm like oh i'm gonna just pull out all you know all nirvana stuff so i think that's probably been my my um i love that one i hunted that one down on vinyl for a while (laughs) oh that'd be amazing on on vinyl um it's on it's on youtube yeah it is worth watching on it is worth watching on on youtube it's just like a cool um set and and ambiance to it and i mean you know that was not long i mean it was like within months i think of Kurt Cobain's death, but you mm-hmm. watch him during during that show and kind of understanding the, you know, the context of his passing a while later, and and you can see just like the raw emotion on him in that you know in that show, and especially at the end, the final song is is a cover, and they they titled it um, "Where Did You Sleep Last Night," but it's oh, also called that's my favorite track on yeah. the MTV Unplugged album. Yeah, and he so that was the last track that they played. And yeah, I read a story that they wanted him to go out and do an encore, and he goes, "I can't do any better than that. I'm not doing an encore like that. That's it." Yeah. Um, wow. And you have to you yeah, have to watch sense. that because that's actually I so I talking about rabbit holes. I went down it, and that's like an old folk song. It's also called "Into the Pines," mm-hmm. um, and you can hear um, like Lead Belly he covered it too. I mean, I don't think it was even his song, but there's, I mean, there's just so many people who've done that song, but Kurt Cobain's version of it is great. It's something else. And it's very, it's, it's it's actually very, (laughs) yeah, it's actually very eerie. And I mean, not to, um, harp on, on this too much because it is, it is negative, but I think it makes a song really beautiful is, is like, you can see the way that he sings that song. Um, just, just like, how into it he was and like kind of how raw it was and you watch his you watch his body language and just like how it changes sort of like throughout the song and when he hits different notes and the way he even like i don't think he like looks at the camera specifically but the camera catches him you're like wow that's like he's into it um and there's a reason that he maybe there's a reason that he wanted to do that song and the way that he did it but it's a a phenomenal cover um really a phenomenal cover so that's awesome. That's yeah. That's been the rabbit hole I've been down. I guess the last uh, last couple of weeks. How about yourself? I'm a big New Music Friday person. So for people who also maybe follow New Music Friday, it means that on Thursday nights for me, it drops at 
on Thursday night, obviously at midnight, but in, in uh, mountain time for me, it's usually 10 o'clock. So usually on Thursday nights, I'm already pre-celebrating New Music Friday. And I always, Reed and I usually stop what we're doing and we listen to all of the new music for that week. It's kind of a tradition we started maybe in 2020. I think we've always been into new music releases, but really in 2020 during the pandemic, it was like every Thursday night. Became we a would, thing. Yeah. yeah, we'd like get out some wine or beer and we just listen to music for two hours. Super fun thing to do. Uh, so now we still do it. And uh, recently, one of my favorite kind of alternative R&B artists, Steve Lacey, dropped an album, Gemini Writes, and highly recommend that. He is so cool. He has such a cool vibe. Like, I don't know how to describe him, but if you like Silk Sonic, you should listen to Steve Lacey. And I love the song Bad Habit. I've been jamming to that song like on repeat on my runs, like while I'm cleaning. Amazing. <laughs> I feel like there's at least three that I can think of. I'm not familiar with this one, but you just mentioned it. Songs that have come out recently called Bad Habit or Bad Habits. Um, it, seems <laughs> like the, the, it seems to be like a popular name for a song these days. The other one that comes to mind is Ed Sheeran. Um, he came out with a song recently called Bad You're right. Habits. He did. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Steve Lacey is a lot better than that one. <laughs> yeah, there's And there's one other one too that um, it's not coming to me right now, but I'm like, man, Bad Habits, another one, huh? Okay. Yeah. I'll have to check that I'm, one out. I'm on Sounds an R&B funk kick this year, I think. Like I'm a big Silk Sonic fan. So that's the, that's where I'm living right now. All right. Um, to wrap this one up, what are you most looking forward to in the next month before we put out Common Ground? Yeah, I think I am most looking forward to heading to Wazelle's Bird Camp. I think I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but I haven't really been able to do a live event before. So I'm really excited about doing that next month. And it's a running kind of retreat camp experience and all of Wazelle's uh, pro athletes will be there, or most of them, and most of their ambassadors, and then also a ton of members of their volley team, which is sort of their national community that anyone can join. And I am a part of their volley, and I have been for a while. I've done a lot of partnerships in the past with Wazelle. We worked on Women Run the Vote last year, where we put together a virtual relay across um, several different tribal nations, and I wrote the information cards throughout the uh, virtual relay along with my friend Guardina uh, Lopez. And we sort of, I would say, described different uh, historical points or moments along their virtual relay route. So I had an opportunity to work with them through that. We forged a really good relationship and I'm excited that I'll be hosting a live panel. It will become a podcast and we'll be talking about women in sport mostly and, and what that looks like right now and what that's looked like historically. I'm really excited. I'm a big fan of everyone that's going to be on the panel. So that's that's what I'm looking towards. That's awesome. What a cool opportunity for you and very well deserved at that. Um, I look forward to hearing the podcast when it comes out because just knowing you as, as I do, and we've talked about this um, before today. So I knew you were, I knew you were looking forward to this. Um, and I think this is, you know, one of many just well-deserved and cool opportunities that have come your way because of the work that you're doing. So shout out. Well, shout out. I'm talking to you right now. Um, kudos to you on that. Yeah. Thank you so much. What are you excited about in the coming month, Mario? Um, the coming month 
I'm not going anywhere, which I'm actually excited about. I feel like July has been super busy. We went yeah. to Oregon for Christine's race. Um, we had another trip in there. We're doing this house project, which will hopefully be behind us after this weekend. Fall's going to be really, really busy. I will be at a bunch of different events. We're actually going on vacation at the beginning of September, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but I think this next month will be the longest stretch that I'll be home uh, between now and the end of the year. So I'm really just going to try and relish in that and take advantage of it. And I don't know if this will happen before we record next, but the cross-country season here in the Bay Area will kick off. The The USATF PA Series cross-country season um, gets started at the end of August. And oh, cool. the first race takes place in Santa Rosa, which is just two towns up from me. So I'm going to jump in that one since I will be home. And I've been looking forward to this cross-country season for a while now. So it'll be fun to to kick it off um, and just work toward nationals here in San Francisco in December. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I think that's all from us. I feel like we've actually been on for a while now. <laughs> we have we have been on for a while, not, not counting what we didn't record before. Um, we actually hit the red button here on the screen. But thank you so much to everyone for listening in. This was the sixth installment of Common Ground. And for my co-host, Danae Dormy, we will catch you next month. Yep. Catch you later. All right, that's it for this episode of Common Ground. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Also, a big thank you to both New Balance and Gooder for help making it possible. The Fuel Cell Super Comp Trainer from New Balance is something else. This shoe, which comes out in August, is so fun to run in. It's got 47 plush millimeters of foam underfoot and a super comfortable rocker profile that encourages efficient forward motion. It's also got a carbon plate in there that helps smooth the transition from foot strike to toe off, and it will soon be available on newbalance.com or at your local run specialty retail store. Gooder sunglasses are my favorite shades to run in, drive, walk the dog, and whatever else I'm doing outside. They don't bounce, they won't slip, and they're polarized to protect your eyes. Best of all, they're super affordable, with most pairs coming in at just 25 to 35 bucks a piece. If you'd like to support me in the podcast, treat yourself to a few pairs of Gooders and head over to Gooder.com slash Mario and use the code Mario15 to get 15% off your entire order. Before we wrap this one up, I'd like to give a shout out, as always, to my man, John Summerford. He's produced every episode of the podcast and is the reason this show sounds as good as it does week in and week out. Also, thank you to Chris Douglas for being my right-hand man and handling sponsorship sales, and Jeffrey Stern for managing the AM Shakeout social media accounts. I don't have a big team here at the Morning Shakeout, but these three guys have been crucial in helping keep things running smoothly here. Last thing. If you're digging the podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter, also called The Morning Shakeout, at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. And in it, you'll get a collection of things that I've been thinking about reading and listening to lately that you might enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's it. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of Common Ground. <laughs>